Hey, this is Steve Durr. Today we're going to read from Exodus chapter 21, starting in verse 12 and going to verse 36. And just a reminder, God has met with his people, Israel, to share his guidance and commands. Now God is passing along his covenant code to Moses to share with the people of Israel. These decrees deal with various situations, motivations, and punishments. So let's read a section of this collection of laws from God. Exodus chapter 21, starting in verse 12. Anyone who assaults and kills another person must be put to death. But if it was simply an accident permitted by God, I will appoint a place of refuge where the slayer can run for safety. However, if someone deliberately kills another person, then the slayer must be dragged even from my altar and be put to death. Anyone who strikes father or mother must be put to death. Kidnappers must be put to death, whether they are caught in possession of their victims or have already sold them as slaves. Anyone who dishonors father or mother must be put to death. Now, suppose two men quarrel and one hits the other with a stone or fist and the injured person does not die but is confined to bed. If he is later able to walk outside again, even with a crutch, the assailant will not be punished but must compensate his victim for lost wages and provide for his full recovery. If a man beats his male or female slave with a club and the slave dies as a result, the owner must be punished. But if the slave recovers within a day or two, then the owner shall not be punished since the slave is his property. Now, suppose two men are fighting and in the process they accidentally strike a pregnant woman so she gives birth prematurely. If no further injury results, the man who struck the woman must pay the amount of compensation the woman's husband demands and the judges approve. But if there is further injury, the punishment must match the injury, a life for a life, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a hand for a hand, a foot for a foot, a burn for a burn, a wound for a wound, a bruise for a bruise. And if a man hits his male or female slave in the eye and the eye is blinded, he must let the slave go free to compensate for the eye. And if a man knocks out the tooth of his male or female slave, he must let the slave go free to compensate for the tooth. And if an ox gores a man or woman to death, the ox must be stoned and its flesh may not be eaten. In such a case, however, the owner will not be held liable. But suppose the ox had a reputation for goring and the owner had been informed but failed to keep it under control. If the ox then kills someone, it must be stoned and the owner must also be put to death. However, the dead person's relatives may accept payment to compensate for the loss of life. The owner of the ox may redeem his life by paying whatever is demanded. The same regulation applies if the ox gores a boy or a girl. But if the ox gores a slave, either male or female, the animal's owner must pay the slave's owner 30 silver coins and the ox must be stoned. Suppose someone digs or uncovers a pit and fails to cover it and then an ox or donkey falls into it. The owner of the pit must pay full compensation to the owner of the animal, but then he keeps gets to keep the uh, dead animal. And if someone, someone's ox injures a neighbor's ox and the injured ox dies, then the two owners must sell the live ox and divide the price equally between them. They also must divide the dead animal. 
But if the ox had a reputation for goring, yet its owner failed to keep it under control, he must pay the full compensation, a live ox for the dead one, but he may keep the dead ox. All right. Well, that kind of escalated quickly. You know, if you do this, you must put them to death. You know, uh, here's the deal. I mean, this is this here is a whole packet of commands and guidance and instructions from God. And when it comes to these kind of things, I like freedom. I naturally resist expectations and must do's. And uh, that makes me think of my youngest son. My youngest son, when we travel uh, on a road trip, we, we try to stay at hotels that have an indoor pool so that our kids can, you know, get all their uh, energy out swimming in the pool at night. Uh, makes for a great night of sleep. But uh, one thing that my youngest son is always concerned about is that there might be a lifeguard. Uh, he had a bad experience with a lifeguard. He was swimming, having fun with his friends, and a lifeguard blew his whistle and yelled at him. And he's been put off lifeguards ever since. And so when we come to a hotel, the first thing he'll ask is, do they have a lifeguard here? I'm like, nope. And so we have a whole slew of pictures uh, each time we go to a pool like that with the big sign that says no lifeguard on duty. And he's standing there, thumbs up. <laughs> but here's the deal. When it comes to rules and guidelines and instructions, have you ever played a game or a sport with no rules? I mean, imagine trying to play baseball without rules, no boundary lines, unlimited players on the field, a changing strike zone, changing numbers of strikes, ignoring being called out. It'd be chaos. There there have been some times for me growing up when I'd be playing kickball uh, in the schoolyard where there were some kids that weren't taking the rules seriously. They'd get out, but they would never leave the game. You know, they'd never leave. They'd stay on the base pass. They'd strike out, but they'd keep kicking. Um, they would say they wouldn't take, you know, it wasn't their turn to go out into the field. They kept doing it over and over. And when you when you disregard the rules, all of a sudden, the game loses its fun. The game, you lose your freedom in being able to play the game. The shape of the game uh, changes. And so the game becomes annoying and boring and everyone loses interest quickly. And so what about, you know, trying to play a board game without having rules for playing? When we learn a new game, it seems like the first half hour is devoted to reading and talking through the rules and what to do in different circumstances. I hate that part. I hate the part of trying to figure out all the rules. I don't like to read the instructions, but I keep having to come back to it. Because without those rules, there's no real direction in the game. There can be no real freedom to play, to strategize, and to win. The rules create the boundaries in which we can flourish. The laws ensure freedom, and they don't remove freedom. Now, this whole section we've been reading and will continue to read in Exodus is called the Book of the Covenant or the Co Covenant Code. Yesterday, uh, Steve had an opportunity to kind of share a little bit of the spirit of that and what that's about. It's a collection of laws and rules. Now, the section we read today dealt with death penalty offenses, physical injury cases, and injuries involving animals. And this group of laws is pretty intense. Now, we've got to remember that the people of Israel are a newly formed free nation. It's time for them to sort out how they're going to live life together and with God. After all, they've been coming to Moses with all their disputes and problems. Now they have laws and guidance to guide them. 
Thankfully, God provides his life-giving guidance to help his people flourish and relate to him. These laws and commands are not a burden thrust upon the people. Instead, it is a gift, and it's um, something that uh, helps them follow God's teaching. And to follow his teaching is to worship him, is to learn how to fully be human. I mean, what if that's the case? What if God knows, and I would think he would since he's our creator, what it is to be fully human? Wouldn't we trust his guidance and see it as a life-giving thing rather than something trying to hold us back? Because sometimes we can treat God's commands like they're burdens, trying to steal our fun, but in reality, they're gifts that are offering us life and true freedom. God's guidance made the people of Israel unique and marked them as his people. And so how about you and I today? Do you find yourself resisting the idea of God having commands and guidance and instructions for you to follow? If so, why? Think about that. What's the resistance there? What's the loss if you follow his commands? Do you see God's guidance and law as a freedom and life-giving gift? If not, why? just kind of a little gut check moment. For me, I always think, well, I'm going to lose freedom. But again, we find true freedom when we follow God's guidance and instructions. We've kind of got the shape to live within. God doesn't give us commands to ruin our lives, but to help us experience life. He doesn't give us commands to follow so we can impress him and make sure we're being good little boys and girls so that he accepts us. He gives us his guidance because he loves us. And we obey because he loves us and leads us. So is there guidance from God today that you sense he is inviting you to obey? What's getting in the way of that? And then what will be your response? Because life is waiting. For our prayer today, I'd like to pray Psalm 119, verse 57 through 64. So would you pray with me? Lord God, you are mine. I promise to obey your words. With all my heart, I want your blessings. Be merciful as you promised. I pondered the direction of my life and I turned to follow your laws. I will hurry without delay to obey your commands. Evil people try to drag me into sin, but I firmly am anchored to your instructions. I rise at midnight to thank you for your just regulations. I am a friend to anyone who fears you anyone who obeys your commandments. O Lord, your unfailing love fills the earth. Teach me your decrees. God, would you give us that kind of heart today to follow after you in Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day.